0: So, the events that this passage relates take place as Jesus concludes a mission trip around the region of Galilee. Not only has he demonstrated great wisdom in his teaching, but he has also healed the sick, cast out demons, and even raised the dead. Large crowds follow him wherever he goes, and he has gathered a faithful band of disciples. To be sure, not everyone has been thrilled with his teaching and healing, but overall his ministry has gotten off to a very strong start. And then Jesus goes home, home to Nazareth. In her sermon on this passage, Barbara Brown Taylor imagines that Jesus was eager to share what he had experienced not only with his families, but with the friends and neighbors who had in their own way helped to raise him. Likewise, I imagined that they were eager to see and hear him, for I have no doubt that they had heard some pretty amazing stories about their hometown boy. And indeed, anticipation is high when Jesus comes forward to teach in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Mark does not tell us what he said. I kind of wish he had, it would have been interesting. I would kind of like to be a fly on the wall listening then. But whatever he said, it was powerful. And the people of his hometown are astounded by his wisdom at first. But then their astonishment begins to turn sour. Where did he get all this? Why, I remember when he. And then there was the time that he. I heard that he. Well, that can't be true. He's just. just the local carpenter. A tradesman, just the son of Mary, and you know what they say about her. Just the brother of James down the street, and Joseph's next door, and Judas and Simon on the other side of town, just a local boy. Just who does he think he is? Clearly, this was not the reception that Jesus expected And he responds with an aphorism that says exactly whom he does think he is. Though this saying was probably common in Jesus' day, the extended version found in this gospel is a poignant indication of just how much the townspeople of Nazareth, his beloved family and friends and neighbors, had hurt Jesus. He tells them prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown." and among their own kin, and in their own house. The rejection that he experienced is surprising, isn't it? I mean, this is Jesus, right? But sometimes the old proverb holds true. Familiarity breeds contempt. In her commentary on this passage, Beverly Zink-Sawyer notes that We tend to see what we expect to see and are slow to accept challenges to our preconceived assumptions. The townspeople of Nazareth expect to see the Jesus they have always known, the one who seems no different from them. When Jesus preaches with wisdom and performs deeds of power, the people of Nazareth cannot see beyond their own limited view of him. This leads her to ask, whom do we take for granted? What wisdom, what deeds of power are we missing because we make judgments about how and through whom God's work can be done? Mark tells us that because of their rejection, Jesus was unable to do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them and that he was amazed at their unbelief. People of Nazareth were unable to receive God's blessing through Jesus, not because they sapped his power, but because, as Barbara Brown Taylor puts it, it was like Jesus was holding a lit match to a pile of wet sticks. It does not matter how strong your flame is, she writes. What you need is something that will catch fire. As painful as this episode is, I can't help but wonder if it made Jesus realize that people were focusing too much on him and not enough on the kingdom of God that he came to proclaim and that he embodied. But whatever the reason, Jesus decides to expand his ministry. No longer will he teach in synagogues. From this time forward, he will carry out his ministry in homes and on the streets, and no longer will he go it alone. For the first time, Jesus sends out his disciples to the road as well. Did you look here the conditions he imposed on them? They seem pretty tough, don't they? Jesus allowed each of them to take a staff for support and protection, but nothing else. No bread, no bag, no money, not even an extra tunic. Instead, the disciples are to rely on the hospitality of strangers. Pretty intimidating, if you ask me. But Jesus doesn't leave them without resources. On the contrary, he gives them amazing authority to carry out their mission, his own God-given power to heal, to cast out unclean spirits, and to proclaim by word and deed that the kingdom of God had come near. No longer just his students, as the word disciples indicates. They are now to be apostles, those who are sent, and partners in his ministry. Again, that ministry is to take place not in synagogues, but in household. And Jesus is cautioned to his disciples to stay in one place, in a village, so as not to give the impression that they are on the lookout for the best meals and the best bed, most comfortable beds. He's also careful to prepare them for the rejection that he knows will come. He does this in a curious way. Jesus tells them, if any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. It's pretty common to interpret this instruction as a means of cursing the towns that reject Jesus' message. But I think that this gesture was meant to encourage the disciples to shake off rejection, to let it go and move on. David Loos writes, Perhaps in this story, the act of shaking off the dust falls somewhere between washing one's hands of responsibility for another's faith and acknowledging the inherent limitations of any ministry born of grace. I also agree with Caroline Lewis that Jesus understood how easy it is for us to lose faith in ourselves when others dismiss and rebuff us which is one reason that Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. He knew that they would need each other's help to stay faithful to their mission. He knew that when one was afraid, the other could offer reassurance, and when one was discouraged, the other could give support, and when one forgot Jesus' words, the other could help him remember. The work to which Jesus calls them is incredibly challenging, but together they could be successful. And so Mark tells us they were. I am so glad to share these stories with you today. As most of you know, I'm about to begin a two month renewal leave. I'm really grateful for the support and encouragement that I've received, but I also know that my pending absence is causing a little anxiety, not only among you but in me too. I've even been asked, who's taking care of things while you are gone? Okay. So I've arranged for preachers for each of the nine Sundays that I will be away. I'm soliciting a little extra help from each Sunday's liturgist. You'll get an email about that if you're a liturgist coming up. And several of my colleagues have agreed to be on call to do pastoral care. But who's taking care of things while I am gone? Well, you are. You are. The work of ministry is not the sole responsibility of the pastor. It is the responsibility and the joy of every Christian God calls each and every one of us to partner with Christ in doing God's work in the world. And the stories of Jesus' rejection and the subsequent sending out of the apostles help us to know what to expect and offer us reassurance. Right off the bat, they tell us that the work of Christ is not always easy. When we can expect that there will be times, as you know already... When we are frustrated and even fearful, times when we encounter resistance and rejection, times when accomplishing anything seems impossible, and yes, times when we will fail. Nevertheless, these stories offer us the assurance of Christ's persistence. When he suffered rejection, Jesus kept going. And out of that painful experience came a new ministry and a renewed mission. Likewise, the disciples were encouraged to shake off the dust of their failures, to learn from their experiences, and to try again. God makes a habit of creating a way where there is no way. And these stories invite us to live and serve in that hope. They also assure us that God gives us what we need to do Christ's work. Jesus didn't just choose random disciples and then immediately send them out. He spent time with them, instructing them with his words and deeds, modeling God's grace and mercy, and we have those same instructions and the example in our scriptures And when Jesus felt that it was time, he graciously and confidently shared his authority with them, and then trusted them to carry out his his ministry to the best of their ability. In the message, Eugene Peterson paraphrases Jesus' instructions to his disciples in this way: "Don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this. You are the equipment." You are the equipment. (laughs) These stories also offer us the assurance that we need not, indeed we dare not, do God's work alone. Jesus certainly didn't, and nor did his disciples. They were sent out two by two, sharing the burden and the joy of Christ's mission and helping one another to stay strong, and that is what we are to do as well. God knows that we need each other. I certainly could not have run our vacation Bible school by myself. I'm so grateful for those who were there working with me. To be a Christian is to be in community, to share struggles and victories, to shoulder others' burdens and allow them to shoulder ours, trusting in the love that binds us together. At the same time, these stories remind us that each one of us matters, that each one of us has gifts to share and a light to shine. The disciples were ordinary men and women just like us. They had no special gifts or aptitude. On the contrary, time and time again, they misunderstood Jesus, lost faith, and generally proved that they were all too human. Yet Jesus chose them. And in spite of everything, he trusted them enough to send them out. Most of all, he loved them no matter what. And in that love, they were able to do amazing things in his name. Jesus chooses you and me as well. He trusts us enough to send us out to carry out his ministry. Yes, there will be times when we mess up and when others misunderstand us, us. but I have no doubt, dear friends, that in Christ's love, we have already received all that we need to do amazing things in his name. I pray that our hearts may catch fire with that love and let it shine forth in all that we say and do. Thanks be to God. Amen.